better hand than that. As the young people would say, that singer was fire. Is that right? I just say bad off the chain. They say fire. My daughter is going to be laughing at me after this. Speaking of laughter, I'd like to share a quick joke with you all this morning. It's an old joke, um, but bear with me. I think we got about two to three hours, right? Amen? Y'all don't have nothing to do, right? There was three men in the barbershop, and they were chopping it up. You know how the men do in the barbershop, right? One of the guys began to complain about his wife. He said, man, my wife gets on my nerves. She always nagging me all the time. The next guy chimes in. He said, yeah, my wife is on me about take out the garbage. Let the toilet seat down. Nag, nag, nag. The third guy says, you know what? I've never had an argument with my wife. It's been 30 years. And they say, well, tell us, what, what's your secret? Because I can't believe that. He said, well, we left the chapel the day of our wedding. We jumped into the wagon. So my wife was driving the wagon, and the mule was pulling the wagon. It stopped. My wife yelled out, that's one. Pop the whip and the mule begins to go a little bit further down the road. Then it stops again. She yells out, that's two. The third time the mule stops, she gets out of the wagon, walks to the side of the horse, pulls out a pistol and blows the horse's brains out right there. He said, I went ballistic. What's wrong with you? Who would do such a thing like this to animals like this? Are you crazy? She looked up and she said, that's one. <laughs> he said, we never had an argument again. We never had an argument again. And I won't say what side of town that sister was from. But you all, <laughs> you know, know what that sounds like. I'd ask that you stand to your feet. As the word of God is read this morning, I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35, and the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard them say this, and they followed Jesus. And most of you all know I read this particular passage because it kind of sets me in the right direction to help me understand that it's not about me, that it's all about Jesus. Amen? John understood that because John understood that his purpose in life was to prepare the way for the Savior, and every opportunity that he had, he pointed the way to Jesus, and the disciples followed as a result of John's direction. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, the privilege that we have to open your word. Lord God, I pray that you would speak through your servant this morning, that your word would come forth clearly, that there wouldn't be any distractions that would take away from your word. So commit this time to you, and may you get all the glory. May you increase while I decrease. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you look in your bulletins, you'll note, the title of today's message is Bodybuilders, Bodybuilders. And I know some of you all are probably thinking, you know, the physical sense of the word bodybuilder, you know, lifting weights and exercising. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is spiritual bodybuilding. 
building up the people of God, the saints of God, pouring into their lives and encouraging the saints of God. And you know, this is what I call spiritual t-ball. It's something that's easy to do, right? It's something that's easy to do. And just because I say it's easy, it doesn't take away from the impact that the concept of bodybuilding and the impact that that could have on other saints of God, amen? Doesn't take away from that. But there are some things, honestly, in the Bible that's kind of hard to do. And maybe I'll speak for myself because uh, when, when, when Jesus is saying, love your enemies, my flesh don't always want to love my enemies. When he says, turn the other cheek, you know, <laughs> my flesh say, I want to give you, you know, a smack on your cheek. That's the flesh talking. But here's the thing you got to understand is that when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it says the old things have passed away and you are made new, right? So I can't stop. God doesn't care about how you feel. What he cares about is whether you're going to be obedient to his word. Amen. He doesn't care about that, how you feel about his word, because here's the thing. God will give you everything that you need. He will empower you with the Holy Spirit to carry out the instructions that he gives you in his word. So we don't have that excuse. So I have to lay that aside. But oftentimes I'm up here and it's stuff that I struggle with. That's hard, hard to do. But this concept of bodybuilding is pretty, pretty easy to encourage. For some of us, we have the gift of encouragement. Some of us have it. We just, we just naturally encourage us. You see us, we're positive people. For other us, of us, we're kind of scratchy, a little abrasive. It's kind of hard. Any, any of those Christians in here, nobody going to co-sign on that. we all positive people. Amen. I got some work to do. We got some work to do up in here. But here's the thing. We should be the most positive people on the planet. Amen. We should be the most positive people on the planet. We serve the living God, the God that created the heavens, the universe, the God that created you and I, the God that was able to restore sight to the blind, to raise folk from the dead, the God that loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, to give us access, the privilege to have a relationship with him. We should be celebrating. That should be something to be positive about. The God that has prepared a mansion. I don't know how many of y'all live in a mansion. I've been in some nice houses before, but they ain't going to be nothing compared to what's waiting for me on the other side. That's something to celebrate. We should be, be excited about that. But oftentimes, truth be told, believers could be some of the most negative people. We could tear folk down. In the name of Jesus, we're on the phone. Boy, did you hear about what happened to so-and-so? We hear gossiping. We, we, we could be some of the most negative people, but the word says we should be the most positive, encouraging people on the planet. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 1 Thessalonians 5. I want you to open to 1 Thessalonians 5, and I want to start with verse 11. Verse 11, 1 Thessalonians 5. When you're there, say Amen. The text reads as follows. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's commending them on a lot of things. He was writing uh, uh, this particular book. He was writing for a couple different reasons. We'll jump into that. 
But when we look at this whole concept of encouraging, it means to inspire courage, to impart courage in somebody, to, to, to impart courage and confidence. And then we look at the process of building up means to grow, help somebody grow, strengthening them, pushing them towards development. That's what those words mean. And Paul was encouraging the church to actually do that. You know, I had a, um, a, a, a pulmonary uh, appointment with my lung doctor this, this past week. And um, the nurse, before I went in, this was a new doctor. So this is the first time I'd gone in there. And the nurse uh, said, hey, you're going to have to take this breathing test. And I said, okay, uh, all right, I don't like it, but, you know, it's, uh, I, if I got to do it, I got to do it. So she puts me in this box, this glass box, and I'm blowing into this machine, and it's recording my lung capacity. And so you got to do it just right. You do it, you mess up, you got to start all over again. So I'm blowing into this thing. <laughs> and finally she said, she started yelling. Come on, Brandon, you can do it. You can do it. You, you're almost there. You're almost there. And you can hear her all the way out in the hall. And so Rochelle says she was sitting in the uh, waiting area with an old white lady, and the white lady was shaking. She was like, what is going on in there? She was scared. She was terrified. But I needed that lady to push me in order for them to get a good baseline in terms of where I was. And she was, man, she was into it. That sister was yelling at the top of her lungs. That's how we should be as believers encouraging the saints as we journey through this thing called life. Amen. And Paul was writing the church at Thessalonica for two very several reasons. He was trying to straighten out a little bit of their theology. You know, some of them, they were, the, they were new Christians. The church was very young. And so they, they were confused because they thought Jesus was coming back right away. And they had some loved ones that had died. So they were concerned, like, what's up with this, Paul? So if you look at chapter 5, and actually the end of chapter 4, starting at verse 13, chapter 4, Paul begins to break this down for them. He goes, brethren, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of the men do who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. He said, they're not going to be forgotten about. He said, they're not going to be forgotten about when Jesus returns, that the dead is going to rise first. And then the rest of us that are here are going to be caught up with them in the air, right? So Paul had to straighten out that theology in that area. And there were a few other things that he covered with them. The other reason that he had to write them is that the church faced great persecution. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. If your life was on the line and they said, hey, if you go to church, there's a chance that you could be killed. I wonder how many saints of God would actually show up on Sunday. This was commonplace for the church. Paul had been stoned, had been beaten, put in prison. This was commonplace for the church to be persecuted. So it wasn't like we have the uh, 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 First Amendment, <laughs> right? Right. We could say whatever we want to say. We could worship, although we're, we're, that's parts of the world where Christians don't have that, that privilege, that right, and they're persecuted. But we could, we could say what we want to say. We could worship when, how often we take that for granted. But see, here's the thing. I don't want to minimize what you're going through in your life right now. All of us are facing some serious challenges, right? It may not be to the point of being, being put to death, 
But that's some serious things. And oftentimes when you're going through your storm and you're in the midst of your storm, you can't think about the worst thing that I, I hear people say, it could always be worse, brother. <laughs> that's true. And I understand that. But I'm in the midst of my storm right now. I'm hurting right now. I'm bleeding from all ends. I'm taking blows. I got my back against the wall and I'm fighting. I'm fighting and I'm looking for somebody. When you're going through your storm, you're looking for somebody to come alongside and encourage you, not tear you down, not give you a lecture on how you got there, right? You're looking for somebody, the saints of God, to say, hey, man, come on, you could do this. Hey, man, this is what Paul is doing as he writes this letter. This is what he's doing. He's encouraging those saints. He had a heart for them. He had a heart for them. It was in them to do that. Some of us got to work at that piece, right? Any crusty Christians we got in here? Any, anybody want to testify right now? Going once, going twice. Not yet, not yet. By the service, the end of the service, so I'm expecting to see a couple hands. <laughs> a couple hands. They still in denial, Pastor. They still in denial. I got to keep, I got my work cut out for me. Glenn, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. Till we get to the bottom of this thing, you ain't going nowhere. But we're going through our particular storms, and we're looking for other believers to come alongside and encourage us. If you open, and I'm kinda, I, I kind of went through the back door on this book, but I want to I go to chapter 1 at this point, and I want to read these 10 verses. So bear with me. I want you to get the sense of Paul's heart his passion, his love, his care for the saints of God as I read these verses. Starting at chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians says, To the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of God and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, for your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, do not, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception we gave, you gave us. They tell how you turn from idols, from God, from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Do y'all sense that? Does, does it seem like Paul was concerned about the body of Christ? Does it seem like he was committed? Does it seem, do, do you get a sense of his heart? That's how we should be, right? We should take that same example, and, and we could kind of look at some of the things I, 
I always like to give you some practical things that you could do as we apply the Word of God. It's not just to, to read it and come here and sit and be comfortable and say, read to me, Deacon Savage. No, we're expecting you as you hear the word that you are going to apply it to your life. One of the things, you know, back then they didn't have uh, Instagroup, Snapchatty, Twitter and all that stuff, right? And I know I, know I could see the young people looking like, it's Twitter, stupid. Right, right, right. You young, you old people need to get with the program. They didn't have all of that stuff back then. So letters, Paul would send the various letters to the different churches to encourage the saints, right? I want to challenge us in terms of there's something to documentation. I know I hear pastors say this, if, if uh, you didn't document it, it didn't happen, right? If you don't put it on paper, it's something about Getting a letter, you could, something that you could refer back to. You know, some uh, months ago, Donna Persons left me a voicemail. She left me this voicemail, and I didn't even know she had called. And I'm sitting in my office, and it was a pretty rough day. And I opened, I'm looking at something, I'm about to make a call, and I said, oh, I got a voicemail. So I listened to the voicemail. It was the most encouraging voicemail you could, I, I'm looking like, who's she talking about? Well, she's she, she talking about me. She had some of the most nice things to say about me. It, just, it was just, it lifted me up at just the right time. So it's something about being able to refer back to it. A phone call is okay. A phone call is okay. But sending a letter, an email, or leaving a voicemail or something like that, that an individual can refer back to at a later date. And I envision Paul writing this and there, you know, the church is probably sitting in a, a room, something like this, and somebody's reading this letter to the body of Christ and they, they're able to refer back to it. So it's important for us as we look to encourage and become bodybuilders that we, we send out letters. Get, you get into the habit of sending out cards, words of encouragement to build up the body. Amen? One of the other things that I want to point out, as we look at the text, as we go to chapter 1 again, it says this. It says, we thank God, this is verse 2, for you, for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. I don't know if I even need to ask this or put this out there. As I know, Chicago and Bible Fellowship, we pray for one another all the time. Right? I ain't see no heads move. <laughs> I, see no, I know Chicago and Bible Fellowship, we pray for one another all the time. I know that Chicago and Bible Fellowship, we pray for one another all the time. I know that Chicago and Bible Fellowship, we pray for one another all the time. Man, I got some work to do. Glenn, Glenn, you in trouble. You in trouble. We should be praying for the saints regularly. We should be praying. And here's the thing. Paul let the church know. He was doing it, but he let the church know. I'm praying for you. I go downstairs after service, and I see Ms. Rackett down there. She got her little things everywhere. 
And Ms. Rackett got her little way about her. She real organized and everything. She said, Brent, how you doing? I said, no, how you doing? And so we do this exchange back and forth. And she says, you know, Friday is your day that I pray for you. I said, really? I got the whole day? All of Friday? And it's encouraging that she got me on her list. She has a designated day that she's praying for me. I said, yep, we got all the leadership we go through, we pray. And I said, I appreciate that. That's encouraging to know that the body of Christ is praying for you, right? That's encouraging. I said, man, thank you, Ms. Rackett. I, I felt a little better when I walked away. I said, somebody's got my back. Somebody's standing in a gap for me, lifting me up in prayer. Amen. 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 We should be a praying church, praying for one another regularly. Commonplace. Put the names up on your wall, on your refrigerator. Put, put, put it up there. And remember, me and my wife try to do this all the time. Every day we try to lift up the saints of God before we start our day, go about our business. We, we, we try to make a habit of that. We should be all doing the same. One of the things, as you notice, is Paul was committing the saints to prayer. One of the things that Paul often did, he listed specific things that they were doing. He listed specific things. It's one thing to say, hey, uh, Pete, you're a good guy. <laughs> good job. And you like, if I came up and say, hey, Pete, man, I remember when you came over and helped me with those pipes and cleared out my, my drain and everything, showed me how to do that. Remember you came over and, and helped us take care of the basement. You did all those things, and you remember that? Specific things that you could commend individuals on carries a little bit more weight, doesn't it? Because that tells me that you're really watching. You're really taking notice. Not that you're just saying something to, oh, brother, you're just, oh, God bless you, you're a good guy. No! Look it around, but in order to do that, we got to start paying attention. We got to put our spiritual glasses on and start paying attention to what's going on around us, right? Look at what individuals are doing. Paul did the exact same thing here. If we look at uh, chapter 2, it says, in verse 6, it says, You became imitators of us. He's talking about the church of God and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, uh, uh, you welcome the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. I'm going to drop down to verse 9. It says, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turn uh, God from God, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul listed specific things to the saints to encourage them, to pick them up. He, we should be doing the exact same thing. So that means you got to be paying attention to what folk are doing, right? You got to be in tune. That means you got to be connected on some level in order to see you just can't wait till Sunday and say, hey, brother, how's it going? That means I got to be connected during the week. That means I got to be knowing what's going on in your life. It's amazing how much we find out, you know, after the fact, right? Shame on us. Shame on us because we should be involved in the saints of God's life. And I know that some people 
I don't want you in my business. You know, I don't want you. What you I remember when we first came to the church, and I, I have to put this out there. I love my brother, Doug Johnson. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have any kids, and it was all these kids running around CBF. Ah, bad kids. Y'all kids was bad. Ah, turning over stuff and kicking stuff. I said, Rochelle, I don't know about this. Then we met with pastor, and pastor started talking about, it's your duty, your uh, uh, duty to bring forth godly seed. I said, Pastor tripping. <laughs> and then we get a phone call from Doug Johnson. Hello, brother. How you doing? How's everything? How can I pray for you? I'm like, who is this? Who is this guy? So I'm telling him, then we got to know him, and that's Doug's heart. That's Doug Hart. He took time to reach out to new folk that came to the church, although I thought it was weird at the time, but he reached out. He made the effort to extend himself and encourage. Now, looking back on it, I thought it was weird at the time because I didn't know him in that high-pitched voice, but it was encouraging that he took the time to do that. He took the time to do that, so, and I appreciate that. As we continue to move forward here, Paul understood the importance also of presence. He understood, he, he understood that. Now, Paul, Paul had to leave town because he was under great, great pressure. They was trying to kill a brother. So Paul was like, hey, listen, I got, I got I get back to y'all, y'all later. Uh, uh, but I long to, to see you guys face to face, but right now I can't be there because there's a lot of trouble going on right now. Paul was longing to see them face to face because he understood presence, being present in somebody's life. How many of us are present? Just quiet. Man, I'm, I'm failing over here. <laughs> we need to be present. We need to be meeting with folk face to face. We need to be connected. As I said earlier, we need to be connected. Meeting, your presence means something. It's something It's like, you know, I, I, I remember when Rochelle and I was dating, and um, she was in Vermont. And, you know, Vermont's a long way away, long way away. And I, I don't know if I ever put this out here. Her parents still don't know this. I'm about to, and my kids are here. <laughs> so maybe I should moonwalk. <laughs> Jedi mind trick. Forget I haven't said that. But I was missing her so much. And this is, this is youth love. I jumped in. I, 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 I rented my roommate's car for $200. I drove his car from Waukegan, Illinois, all the way to Vermont. Yes, <laughs> all the way to Vermont just to be in her presence. Just for that period of time. I didn't stay long. I jumped right back on the road and, was, and drove all the way back. And I looked back on it. I said, boy, what's wrong? what's wrong with you? But it was all about presence being there. That kids put your, y'all didn't hear that. So don't get no ideas. <laughs> Paul understood that. And he said, hey, I, 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 I want to be there. I want to be with you guys, but right now I can't. And here's the thing. Sometimes you can send 
other people. Sometimes, you know, you got you to gotta rally the saints, connect and send other people. And Paul says, if you look at, at chapter 3, look at verse 2. It says that um, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Sometimes you won't be able to get there. One of our friends here, um, <laughs> my buddy Frank, um, works in ministry, and he ran, came across this young lady who wanted to move to Texas, and uh, Houston, Texas. And so Frank said, hey, when you, she don't have no family there or anything, right? She just decides, hey, I'm, I want to move to Houston, Texas. She moves, and Frank says, hey, when you get there, here's the people that you ought to go see. And he gave, <laughs> he gave her uh, the information of my godparents. So this young lady shows up at their door. Hey, uh, uh, my name is so-and-so. Um, I just moved here. I don't have any family. Uh, I, I don't have any friends here. This is, I've never been here before. Um, you know, and Frank told me to look you guys up. What do you think they said? Wait, 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 let me rephrase that. What would you have said? Huh? What was some, hey, uh, there's a Motel 6 right over there on the corner. Uh, you know, bank down there. You know. No. They took her in. They took her in, gave her a room, and allowed her to live with them. It was like she became like a daughter. And like she lived there for a period of time, and I don't know what the, the it, was a, it was some months until she got herself established and was able to get a job and really get on her feet. I said, how many of us would have done that? But Frank, Frank in his, his way of thinking, he said, hey, go connect with these. These are good people down there. These are good people. They're going to be able to plug you, you know, into a good church down there. They're going to encourage you. They're some of the best people I know. So I know that the Thomases are going to take care of you and look after you. Whether Dana feel it or not, Bridget ain't going to let you just be out there in the cold. And so they did that. And they took care of her. We might have to do that. And here's the thing. I want to I wanna say this in a way, um, as I mentioned earlier, that you, you, you don't uh, just put people's business out there to be putting it out there. Amen. And start using it as a form of, uh, of gossiping, talking about folk and, and, and tearing folk down. But if there's a genuine concern, if I know that, hey, this person is good at this and this is that and they're, and they're in the vicinity, you say, hey, why don't you connect with that brother or that sister? They can help walk you through this thing. They, they actually experienced that. I remember at one of the retreats, the marriage retreats, there was an older couple. The, I think it was the Digsby's. And there was a young couple that was there that had a miscarriage. And they were struggling with this thing, struggling with it. And the Digsby's came alongside and said, hey, listen, we experienced the exact same thing. And if it wasn't for Pastor and Karen doing the marriage retreat, they never would have connected. Amen? So we need to point, folk, send other people if you can't, can't do it. But don't be gossiping. Don't be tearing folk down in the name of Jesus. He got a drug problem. No, 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 no. You help, you, your, your heart should be to help that individual out. Amen. 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 
So should we be positive all the time? What about when somebody fails? How should we handle that person? You know, there was a town where there was a guy they called Mr. Positivity. And <laughs> Mr. Positivity never said anything bad. Never said a bad word about anybody or anything. And the people were mad. So one day the dog, the neighborhood dog had died. And this dog had bit some kids, mauled some kids, and had terrorized the mailman for years. The dog died, so all the people went to Mr. Positivity's house. And they said, hey, uh, we just want to let you, let you know the dog died. And they sat there because they said, there's no way he could say anything positive about this dog. Well, guess what? Mr. Positivity had to pass the racket look as he sat in the door. And he looked at the people, and he said, that dog sure has some pretty teeth. <laughs> and the people walked away. <laughs> like, like, good, he got us again. He got us again. But here's the deal. When somebody fails, somebody experienced failure, it's not a time for us to pile on. Because if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit is, is in you, <laughs> you're walking with Jesus, you mess up, you're going to feel bad. The Spirit is going to convict you. You're going to feel bad already. The last thing you need is somebody coming and piling on top of you. You know, in football, we, we, we used to deliberately do that, right, Gus? Everybody pile on. We try to inflict pain on this person. And so every, you got one guy tackles him, another guy tackles him. Then another guy comes in, you know, to finish him off. We shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't operate that way. When somebody's in failure, we want to encourage them to get back in the race. Paul had his issue with this very thing. It's recorded in Acts 15 where Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement, right? They were on the missionary journey and they had a young, young guy with them named John Mark. And John Mark decided, as I mentioned earlier, the church was under some serious persecution. I don't know the specifics of what actually happened, but John Mark said, I'm out of here. He went back. He turned back. Paul took great offense to this. And so when it came time for them to go back out on that missionary, another missionary journey, you know, Paul and Barnabas was chopping the details of this thing up. And, and Barnabas said, hey, we ought to take John Mark. Paul, Paul, Paul said, punk, please. John Mark is not going with us. That dude ran on us. We ought to give him a violation. Well, he didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say that. He didn't say all that. That's just me talking. But Paul took great offense to this. And I can imagine Barnabas' thought process at this point. I can imagine Barnabas was like, Paul, you got some nerve. First off, that's my cousin you're talking about. First thing, that's family that you're talking about. But you got some nerve, Paul, because... You were the one persecuting the church, you know, seeing folks giving your approval to Christians being killed. And now when you came to the faith, it was I that stood before the brethren and, and co-signed for you. I did that for you. Now here it is. You won't extend that same grace and mercy to our brother. And so they, they were, you know, Paul was like, hey, listen, I hear you, uh, uh, but I ain't having it. He ain't coming with me. And so they parted ways. 
Make a long story short, John Mark redeemed himself. And it was all because of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, is what his name means, and understood that he needed to keep walking with this young man to see him move and get to a place where God had destined for him to be and go on to pen the book of Mark. Wow. Just imagine if they just gave up on him. Imagine, would, would that have been a, 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 a development in John Mark if they would have just gave up on him? Eh, probably, I don't know, probably not. You need somebody to come alongside when you're going through some stuff, when you've made mistakes. Now, you, I say that with the caveat is that you don't condone what's being done, but it's not you to, to, to judge that individual. It's not up to you to punish that individual. That's God's job. The Lord will chasten those that he loves and hold us accountable uh, for the consequences and things that we'll experience as a result of our decisions. Amen? That's not our job. You're not that person's parents. But you, 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 oftentimes for us as believers, we want to we wanna play that way. We want to play God in that way. I'm going to ask you to put your, put your straps down and look at encouraging uh, one another. You know, I, I, Dana, my godfather, is very good at that. I give him, I'm still, I'm still a work in progress. I, I, I tell you, I'm still a work in progress in that area. I'm still developing. I still need encouragement in that area. But Dana will walk with you through thick and thin. Every time I made a mistake, he never focused on what happened. I said, don't you want to know, man? He, he, he never really focused on what happened. He focused on getting me back on track and walking with the Lord and said, you need to get back in the race. And for us as believers, that's the method that we should take. Amen? The attitude that we should take. Amen? Glenn, we got two more hours. You know... There was, uh, to get the, ready to wrap this thing up, there was a guy that lived uh, across the street from my grandmother over in Cabrini, Illinois. That's right, I said Cabrini, Illinois. Right on Cleveland Street, named Mr. Harrell. And Mr. Harrell um, had a problem with uh, that fire water. You know, he liked the, the, the men of the spirits. If you know what I mean, the young people are like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, he liked to drink. Um, so sometimes you saw him, it's probably 50-50. Sometimes you saw him, he was drunk. Sometimes he was sober. But one thing remained constant with Mr. Harold. Mr. Harold always had a positive word to say to me. He never spoke anything negative to me. He kind of looked like uh, Ozzie Davis. I don't know if y'all, you know, Ozzie Davis. And he had that deep voice. And he'd look at me and say, hey, what's going on, young man? How you doing? I said, I'm fine, Mr. Harold. You know, you're going to be something special. You know how I know? I said, how you know, Mr. Harold? I could look at your eyebrows, boy. That's <laughs> him. You're going to be something special. And whether he was drunk or he was sober, he spoke the same things to me. I see him the next day. He go, boy, you're going to be like the movie star, Marlon Brando. 
So he started calling me Lil Brando. I said, I felt good. And I used to run errands for Mr. Harrell, and i go see Mr. Harrell, and I didn't understand it then, but Mr. Harrell was sowing seeds of positivity into my life. He saw a young man that needed encouraging. And here's the thing. This man did this when he was drunk. How much more for us as Christians should we not be doing this? Amen? How much more? This man was under the influence. He was drinking Jack Daniels and, 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 and all that hard liquor and full of the spirit. And he was consistent on pouring into a young man's life that needed encouragement in an environment that was full of negativity. This man to this day, I haven't done anything with my eyebrows. My wife was trying to pull a strand out the other day. I said, get your hands down. Mr. Harold said, I'm going to be somebody because of my eyebrows. <laughs> that might sound crazy, but I appreciate Mr. Harold. And I don't know uh, whether he knew the Lord or not when he passed. I pray that he did. Uh, but I appreciate Mr. Harold. We need some more Harolds in this world. We need some more folk to come alongside and be, be encouraging in this world. Amen. I'm not going to beat you up any longer. How many of us need work in this area? How many of us, we're so consumed with our own personal things going on? And that's just legitimate things. Paul was under great pressure as well. Paul was fighting for his life. He was running, <laughs> fighting for his life at various points for the gospel's sake. But Paul took time to minister to others. I want to challenge us to do the same thing. But here's the thing. In order to be a spiritual bodybuilder, you got you to, gotta, first off, have a relationship with Christ. So if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I, I want to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to know that if I died one day, that I would spend eternity in heaven. Here's your opportunity. Nothing difficult about this at all. If you're that person and you want to pray this simple prayer and say, Lord, I know that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, I ask forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I repent, I turn away, and I trust you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a bodybuilder. <laughs> you are now a Christian. You are now assured that you will spend eternity when you depart this place, and you will depart this place at some point. All of us have to stand. And maybe you're hearing, you know, you got a lot going on. You've been feeling like you by yourself. You know, you've been dealing with your situation. And you need some encouragement. You need some encouragement. And then you need the motivation for you, the energy for you to minister to other people. And it's this cycle that goes on that spins. As I lift you up, somebody else is coming alongside to, to lift me up. You know, and this, it just keeps going all around until we get to glory. Amen. If that's you, I want to ask that you stand as we uh, close in prayer. I know I could use some prayer in this area.
I can. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the resources that you put around us to help us journey through this thing called life. It's not easy. I thank you for the saints of God. I thank you for this church, the hearts of the saints, the love that we have for one another. Lord God, help us to to put action to that as those that are standing. Help us to, to put action to encourage others to come alongside, lifting them in prayer, connecting them with other members of the body, to walk alongside as we run this race. It's not meant for us to run it alone. So, Lord, give us everything that we need. You know what's going on in everybody's situation. And somehow, we can't wrap our minds around it. You have it under control. So, Lord, help us to stay focused on you. Empower the saints to do your will and be obedient to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen, amen. Thank you.